did it perfectly. Joel said but he did, has to go. I, I know that Joel has to go. That's why in the next two minutes, we got to open the show and get oh. him to weigh in and talk crazy about this profit sharing agreement between USPSA and Foley. You know what I mean? Anyway, it's, it is practical shooting after dark. Oh, On deck goody. tonight, we have Mr. Park. What's up, Hi. Doug? Mr. <laughs> Hopkins. Hi. And Mr. Kim. Hi. So anyway, I thought I teased it pretty well. Um, Matt, I think there. I think that the, this rumor that I've heard, I mean, it's a little more than a rumor, but the, the rumors uh, that we've all heard about this uh, 10% profit sharing agreement, based on the, the financial documents that I put on Facebook for the Orga, you know, a few weeks ago. If you go through there, it is it is interesting to note that the organization made 300k in profit, and then Foley was bonused exactly 30k. So 30k is exactly 10% of 300k. It is weird. Yeah, the math does the math checks out. <laughs> so uh, I guess it's real. It's a real thing. So I wanted to talk about it, what a what a profit sharing agreement means for a nonprofit organization. And um, I mean, I don't think there's any other way to put it. If you look at the problems that you guys had at nationals where you don't uh, you don't have any food to eat and, you know, no porta potties to shit it in if you did. You know what I mean? <laughs> that I, is true. I, I can't help but think that that has something to do with uh, putting money in the right people's pockets, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so, I mean, the rumor also went around at the match that CMP was cheaper than Frostproof, or Frank, or Universal was charging a ton of money to host the match there, right? So, like, if if we look at, if every decision is based on how much profit the org makes, and then that is a 10% in someone's pocket at the end of the year. Yeah. It makes sense why some of these decisions were made, right? Like, sure oh, let's allow flashlights and all the guns to get more participation, right? Right. I mean, it almost seems desperate at this point. So, right. I mean, it all, the whole picture has been coming into a lot more focus recently, I think, Matt. So, Not just for us, but I think for a lot of people. So, also on the same thing, like, just thinking back on what, the presentations were for in the BOD meetings, like the in-person yeah. one, like everything is about revenue. Yes. And how much money is coming in. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and now there's one thing we know about 2020 is not as much money was coming in. That's correct. Yeah. It went down and that would explain the freak out. The freak out. I mean, well, I mean, I, I think, I think leadership's been under some pressure. Let me put it that way. Not making as much money. Some rule changes aren't very, very well received. You know, there's some criticism. A lot of uh, a lot of people are. I mean, this isn't the only podcast that's critical of uh, USPSA right now. No, not at all. There's been several that have come out and not super happy with the current rule changes or anything. Like that's the most recent one, right? Yeah, but that's like one more thing in a long line of. Yeah, exactly. So. There's some other stuff on those documents you put out, right? Like there is three hundred thousand dollars in office expenses. Yes, that seems like a lot. Like I'd like to, I'd be interested to see how many office stuff they could buy for three hundred thousand dollars. Like how many pins and stuff is that, right? Well, this is where a lot of people are like, hey Matt, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand how this stuff works. 
blah, blah, blah. What do you know about running an office or running a business? You mean like buying stuff for a, a major Yeah, you mean like so for like your, your job, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what office <laughs> costs. Well, while you guys solve the world's problems, I've got a meeting I have to attend. Saved by the bell. Not fun. You weren't really safe, Joel. Are you gonna gonna say anything spicy or what? Uh, no. Fine. Later, hater. Lots of Alienware laptops, right? What a loser! Don't say anything fun. <sighs> so yeah, like the three hundred k in office expenses. Also, wasn't it something like five hundred thousand plus dollars in travel expenses? It was a pretty big number. Yeah. Yeah. So. But then you start thinking like, hey, if you're getting paid mileage in hotel to go to drive three states away to go to club matches, you know. That can you, add up. That's like 50 something cents a mile, right? Yeah. I mean, if there were a few employees like going going hard on the travel expenses, I, I mean, I could tell you what my travel expenses are in a year and it'd blow your, it'd blow your mind. Like pre-COVID, it's, I mean... Just myself, like I, I spend a lot of money on fucking travel. So, so is I understand it goes pretty fast. Out of control, then. Um, I don't know, but I, I would, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know who they're paying for. Let me put it that way. Right. So, like, if that's just like office people, and like whatever the area directors get, like five grand each a year or something like that. Yeah. So that's, that's forty right. right there, and then they just have to pay to move the office people around. Yeah, it sounds like a lot to me, but I don't know exactly who and, and where they're moving to. But it, it sounds so. Like so more most orgs that I've seen or like been a part of have a policy about like what is considered business travel or what's considered reimbursable. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see if USPSA has something like that on file. Yeah, well, that's another thing we've talked about. They should. I mean, and they, they should have. Should, right? They should update their ethics policy so we don't have guys uh, shooting free guns or ammo like USPSA employees using that stuff because it's it doesn't look right. It's all the optics of it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not the good. Compounding optics of everything. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But uh, anyway, um, the more we learn, kind of the more interesting it, it is, and I've I've found it all very interesting. The last few months yeah there's been a lot of information come out recently right there has been there's a lot of very interested people that have actually started digging to the point i'm matt actually this, this brings up another thing yeah um a lot of people this isn't just me a lot of people are like hey we need we need some new board members yeah All right for sure um it's not a it's not a, a straightforward process to run for the board is it at so least it you, is not uh, so why don't you talk people through that in case they're curious how that so works. two areas are up for election every year right so every two year every year an area like two different areas are up for election right and it rotates around till all of them are up and then the president's every four years right so the process goes you have to request to get the signature sheets and you have to get your area members to put their name, USPSA number, and their location or phone number, I think. It's it's all on a sheet. You request it from USPSA. They email it to you, and they put you down as a potential person running for the area director. 
once you get those 50 signatures or whatever number is required, I think it's 50. It's pretty simple. You can attend club matches. You have like basically what you'll want to do is start the fall before the actual election year. So I'm running this year in 2021. So I started last fall in 2020. So six months before. Basically getting the signatures, figuring out what I'm going to talk about, why I'm going to run, everything like that. But basically you request a signature form. They put you down. You submit your signatures. They verify it. Then once you're verified, you're actually put on the ballot. And they confirm that. Uh, it's not set in stone till like May 1st of who's actually on the ballot and who's eligible to vote. So if you run unopposed, May 1st, they basically say you're going to be area director because you ran unopposed, all that, right? Um, if there's more than two people, you they'll, there'll be an election. May 1st is when they put the deadline for the members that can vote. They submit that to the election company. July 1st, ballots go out. I believe they will send an electronic email with a PIN code, or they'll mail a like a postcard with a pin that you can vote online. That runs July 1st through July 31st. The election company has to give results back by August 15th. From what I've seen, they've come in earlier than that, unless they had issues with the election, which... There was some fuckery, what, at Area 2? I think the last two elections they've had issues with, and they've had to have do something like a special runoff or something like that. They had issues with the... Area 2, and I think they've issue, had issues elsewhere also, but not sure. Um, if you get your signatures in by January 1st, you can write an article and have it put in Front Sight Magazine. Uh, they give you some guidelines. It's basically a certain number of words. You write in there like what you want, talk about yourself, promote yourself. Uh, if you have all your signatures by like, March 1st or something, they'll send you a Q&A. So you'll answer a set of 10 questions that are standard for every area director. They haven't really changed over the last eight or 10 years that I can see. They use the same set of questions, just send them out, you answer those, and then you're, they're put in the next issue of Front Sight. Uh, you can also run one free ad in the magazine. Uh, you still have to design and pay for the ad. They'll run it. You have to put in the time and reserve your time slot. And then you can pay for more ads if you want also on top of that at the at a discounted rate, I believe. But so that's kind of it. So basically, first thing happens is request to get all the info to run for area director. And they'll send you basically a list of all the deadlines and times and all the signature sheets and all that you need. Yes. All right. Because there, there's been a lot of people talking to me about this. Lately. Yeah, I've had several people that are interested in running for several different areas come up and ask, kind of like give the lowdown on how it happens and how you do it and who you request and when you request all that stuff. So yeah. if you're thinking about running next year, you want to start doing some of the legwork right now and you can submit Who's up next year? as early as possible. Yeah. Who's up next year? Do you know? I think Area 6 is, and I don't know who else. Okay. Yeah. 
Mr. Kim. Yes. You got some serious shooting stuff to talk about or what? Oh, oh, just one thing before we end this topic. Oh, I, okay. I, I live very close to the HQ and I've been walking into the office multiple times per year until until pandemic. So mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what kind of office changes were made. Oh, well, that's remodeling? good. You can let us know. Maybe they got some uh, <laughs> cool shit in there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I have an interesting topic too. I think. Yeah. So uh, I shot. I shot a match. Uh, there was one podcast where I was talking about practical two gun match. Uh, match director Max Grandes. That was very interesting match. One thing they did that I personally think USPSA should be doing is the video proof. So it could be like, hey, full fault, and you have a video proof that you were not having a full fault. Things like that were allowed over there at that match. And mm -hmm. it was very interesting to see uh, actually having in our squad, one of the shooter uh, had, a, had some issue and there had, had some call to be made. And then none of them, none of the shooters, none of the ROs were sure because it was a specific case where there's a bunch of targets and we thought he shot everything very nicely, but then end up seeing this target having no hits on it. So uh, initially the RO called two misses. Uh, however, there was one shooter who was videoing and then the shooter was like, hey, there's actually a video. Let's take a look. So. Actually, uh, it was found out that the target wasn't shot, whatever reason, I don't know. But the shooter doesn't get a penalty because over there, the rule for the video proof was not to give a penalty or a disqualification, but just to aid or fix to help the shooter, if that makes sense. So if yeah. the shooter was getting a failure to engage, and in the video, if he shot the target and still had two misses, then he would not get the uh, procedural. But it couldn't be the other way around. So, yeah, the video said the shooter didn't shoot, but he did, didn't get the penalty because the rule set was to help the shooters, not to penalize the shooter. So I thought that was very interesting set. And first of all, a lot of the major sport already have the video cameras around their whatever field or whatever and then they use the video as a proof and i thought that was very good for first using the video and second actually protecting the shooter or helping the shooter to get it better call if that makes sense yeah so yeah. the shooter still got two two misses but i but thought that was the ftsa right he didn't get the ftsa yeah. no so where the ro the ro's thought he shot at it right Everybody thought because it was kind of an obvious position where it was like two target here and a little bit of transition and two target there, but it ended up having one missing, not not shooting at all. So everybody thought he shot it because he hit the position. Mm -hmm. So it was just a knowledge thing for to use like to help with. Right, but the interesting thing is the RO couldn't, you know, mm -hmm. stick it in him, so to speak. Do you see that changing at some point? Like, do you see USPSA adopting <laughs> this? <so? laughs> <laughs> to have that, we're gonna have we're gonna have to have some leadership change, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's this rule, video proof rule, is not about revenue. It's it's actually about aiding the competitor. 
What if we paid to have video review? What do you think they'd do it then? I think they would. <laughs> yeah, like a, I don't know, yeah. Canon and Samsung and iPhone company sponsor. But then they'd probably figure out that if you just let people pay for reshoots on stages, that'd be way better. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Not, but there's a competitive equity issue there. Yeah, let's not worry about, about that. that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to grow the sport or not, dude? <laughs> yeah. All right. Time for a question. Yes. Good day, gents. What are the best live fire drills I can do with one target on an indoor range? As I'm limited to range access, drills that require multiple targets are a no-go. All right. Any ideas for single target? Yes. Um, there, there's multiple drills, but given that, you know, right now ammo is kind of short, so triple build drill is probably not going to be the best situation right now for everybody. So what I would recommend is very good drill, uh, doubles and confirmation drill. Those two drills are not crazy round counts, but I think it's just single target and you can just work on it. Confirmation drill is one shot basically per presentation or transition. So that's a good one. Doubles, I, I think everybody loves it anyways. I shot a lot of rounds through doubles when ammo was available. Yeah. Mm. Well, aside from just doubles, I think what he could do, like, uh, could do confirmation drill where, you know, your target's mm. just that single target, but you aim your gun off to the side and mm. then at the tone, you look at the target and then transition the gun onto it and engage it and adjust the distance and learn to apply different aiming schemes. I think that would be very helpful and you could for sure do that at the indoor range. Yep. Yeah, no problems with that. Using, uh, you can multiple targets, like if you print off from my website a sheet of the dots, mm. you can just staple them onto uh, an IPSC target and get multiple targets that way and work on just shooting those two inch circles. You know, that's another option. Yep. I don't know, Matt, what do you think? Anything to add? Honestly, no. I don't I mean, want to make anything up, so no. <laughs> that's pretty much it, isn't it? I don't know what else you could do, like manipulation drills, but like a lot of reasons make don't sense like to do in live stuff. fire, right? Not as much. Like, yeah, it's better to. I mean, if you're doing it live, you pretty much just want to check your times. You're not really trying to, you know, do anything. Right. And then you you just said that some ranges don't allow that, though, right? Well, yeah. I mean, if your biggest problem, at least in the U.S., is going to be holsters, it's whether or not they let you use a holster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh man. All right. Well, listeners, if you have a question you'd like the answer to, go to bensiga.com. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you.